Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divizio, the all-new affiliate network for all niches at D-U-V-I-S-I-O.com. We have yet another fantastic show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, joining us, the co-founder of Divizio, and my partner. Hello, Jack. Hello. How are you? I am good, and you? Good. I just had a call come through. I didn't hear the last part of your thing. Sorry for the pregnant pause. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what was going on there. <laughs> well, we have a great guest today. I've been reading up uh, on him, and uh, I'll give him a brief introduction here, and we'll get going. John, you're here? Yes, I am. All right. Wait till you hear this great introduction. Hold on. So we are with John Roche today, who began his entrepreneurial exploration after escaping a civil service career. Congratulations on that, John. While working for the government, he studied acting and directed plays and off hours for 20 years, uh, over 20 years. He stepped into the business world, creating speaker, speak louder than words to coach people on public speaking and delivering compelling stories. John and his amazing wife, Louisa, created johnandluisa.com to help couples who have been together for a while, but the excitement is starting to dull and fade. They live a life of filled with love and passion and exploration and know that other couples can find the same kind of renewed energy. They, this is interesting. They take couples to Italy while working on the relationship, taking advantage of Luisa's Italian upbringing. That sounds like a lot of fun. We should talk about that today. <laughs> Their own latest adventure is to relocate to Italy for at least several months for a project called Piazza Italia. The goal is to bring better awareness of business, social media, public speaking, and standout customer service to places that cater to tourists in Italy. Welcome, John. Thank you so much, Jack. Great to be here. And hi, Gina. Hello, John. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So we always, I, we always, we we have begun uh, asking the the big question at the beginning here, sort of to break the ice. But what's getting you out of bed in the morning? Why did you wake up this morning, and what were you so excited about when you did it? Same thing as always, just uh, the chance to connect with with people, the chance to impact people, and just life's life's been one big exploration. The one thing I learned, you know, the difference between having a job where, you know, they tell you what to do and you do your tasks and you get paid. And then uh, the business, the entrepreneurial side, becomes very much about, you know, whom can you reach, who can you touch, how do you, uh, how do you connect with people. So what excites me is just being connected with more people, and I appreciate this opportunity to connect with you and all your friends. Awesome. Well, they're going to like it, too. I think we're going to have a good time today. Uh we're going to learn a lot. Uh, I wanted to know how long has it been since you escaped your civil service career and started your business? Well, I actually um, I was fortunate enough, thanks to a reorganization in the government, uh, to take an early retirement. Uh, it's been over 12 years. And uh, for about the first five or six, I wasn't really interested in doing anything else. I was kind of becoming a bit of a couch potato and doing some odd little things uh, to pass the time, and it wasn't until I went to a a business uh, conference with my wife, who was running her own business, um, that I saw how many business people were sort of struggling with that whole uh, the whole aspect of you know, how do you get your message well connected in front of people uh, when you're speaking. And so I created Speak Louder Than Words about six years ago. And things have been uh, sort of a roller coaster ride ever since. What are some of the stories you can tell us about uh, people that you've helped, uh, a case study or anything like that, uh, one of your favorite um, things to tell people about, what it is that you do that you might have done for someone who uh, turned their life around uh, in the speaking area? 
Well, there would be some examples early on. I was uh, being approached by a lot of people who had issues with fear of speaking, uh, and I would work with them on overcoming that, but also crafting their message and their stage presence. So uh, one woman who had been getting up on stage and had never been having success, all of a sudden just by tweaking her, her physical presence as well as the way she crafted her message, was able to close more than 100% of the room, if you can believe that statistic, <laughs> where she actually impacted the people in the room so much that some of the people in the audience went home, told their friends and family, and more people signed up for the program than had been in her audience. Uh, I've also worked, worked with people on using positive words and using a, a whole positive approach to the way you express yourself and I had a colleague who had been struggling. He was in negotiations with a major telecom company for months to close a deal, and it wasn't happening. And we worked on positive messaging, the message he would give himself, his mindset, as well as how he would express things precisely to this potential client. And he closed a deal uh, within six months for over six figures, $150,000 deal. So, wow, these these types of things, the, the way you express yourself has such impact. It's not simply, you know, creating a great program or, or creating a great product. It's how do you communicate the value of what that program or product is going to offer people that makes the big difference. Absolutely. Well, the reason I get excited about this is that uh, I'm not really longing to be on the stage or, or do a lot of public speaking. Um, it's just not my thing, but I, I always listen to guys like you because so much of it is important for many more things than just standing on a stage and, and being the best presenter you possibly can be. To me, it, it means how you carry yourself, like you said, with your products, your services. I mean, there's no way that anybody can escape being out there and and – uh, you know, you're on social media, you might do a hangout on Google, you might do a blab, you might do, you know, there's a lot of different kinds of public speaking now, not just standing on a stage. And I, I worry sometimes that people will go, whoa, he just helps people uh, with their stage presence, you know. And it's not about that at all. At least for me, when I hear you guys talk, I listen very closely because I, I want to pick up any cues that I can about any time, any of the instances that I'm, in front of an audience, whether it's online, virtually, or uh, on the odd occasion that I, I am on a stage. Well, you're absolutely right, because when you think of all the technologies over the course of history that mankind has developed to try to communicate with each other, uh, you know, communication, obviously, if you go back way early in history, the only kind of communication was face-to-face. -face. Uh, and then over the course of time, but, you know, we developed whether it's telephones, telegrams, uh, television, radio, now with, with uh, all the electronic communications, Facebook, Blab, Periscope, Twitter. It's always how do we come closer to approximating or, or conveying the same things electronically that we try to do in person. In person will always be the strongest connection you can get simply because that's when the communicator gets the feedback directly from the listener as to how the message is being received. That's the, the single biggest advantage of public speaking in person. Uh, because if, if you're doing, let's say, a, a video, you don't necessarily know that the person who's watching the video is even paying attention. They may be multitasking and, and watching three things at the same mm -hmm. time or whatever. But you're absolutely right that many of the same techniques, you know, that whole stage presence, the whole thing about eye contact, the whole thing about having a smile behind your voice, all those things will similarly make a difference in when you're doing a blab or a periscope or whatever method you choose to get your message out. Do you, when you have worked with people in the past, and you've broken down all of these components, the eye contact, the, the way that you project it, the, all of these things. How do, you, 
how do you tie it all back together so that you don't end up with a person on stage or on camera that is way, way too aware of themselves and every little move that they're making that they almost paralyze themselves? How do you how do you coach people back away from that after they've learned all the little minutia of the tactics that they should be employing and make it natural? Well, that's really an excellent question, and it goes. I I have had a a long running uh, sort of disagreement or 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 not quite feeling in, in the same place as many speaking coaches. I won't say all because there's others like me. I want people to not practice at home by looking in a mirror. I've heard that from, from way too many speaking coaches. Some of the training that I got as an actor, which, which you briefly mentioned um, in the intro, was that the last thing you want any point of your energy to be focused on when you're on stage in front of an audience is to be focused on yourself. If you have this mm-hmm. sort of third eye that's floating in front of you and sort of watching yourself, even if it's only 1% or 2% of your energy or of your focus, that takes away from your 100% connection with the audience. And, and that's when you mess up. That's when you, you lose a line. That's when uh, you, you aren't connected with your partner on stage. So that's one of the things that I brought to my, my coaching work with people on speaking is you are going to learn techniques about your focus being only on the audience and getting the message across to them. If you focus on the audience, their reactions will tell you if you are connecting with them. Uh, if, if you're sitting in front of an audience, or standing in front of an audience speaking, and you're trying to enliven them, and you see them all slouch back in their chairs, well, you know you're not enlivening them. So that then becomes the message to you to say, I need to shift my energy to enliven them. It becomes a very organic thing if you can take the focus off yourself because it isn't about how you stand. It isn't about whether you gesture with your hands. Those things are important, but that's not going to be the make or break that keeps you from succeeding in communicating your message. What's going to be the make or break is are you focusing on whether the audience is with you? And the same thing goes when you're using electronic communications just in terms of are you getting the type of feedback? You know, if you post something on Facebook and you spend half an hour composing this great post and nobody's commenting or responding or sharing, well, that's kind of telling you you haven't quite nailed what people are looking for. So it's always mm-hmm. in the reaction by others that tell you what you want to do. The other element, and it's just the same as, as anything in life, the more you practice something well, the better you get it. So you, you do want to take some time before you're going up on stage to practice that speech so that by the time you're actually delivering it live, a bunch of it is coming out second nature. And you have those moments where it's like, okay, now I'm, I'm feeling comfortable. Things are clicking. Yeah. I have paid the price in the past for uh, my uh, adopted style, <laughs> uh, and that is to be completely and utterly as little prepared as I can possibly be. <laughs> I don't recommend it to anyone, but one of my things, instead of jumping out of planes for adrenaline rush or anything like that, I'll I'll, uh, get ready for a presentation or something like that on a very nominal level, knowing just the main points I want to cover and having sometimes, you know, an outline of where I want to go at any given time. Um, And it's a thrill, and it's really kind of silly to even talk about because I don't want anybody to get any ideas because it's not (laughs) unless you really want to do it and you're ready to pay the price for when you stumble because there is that chance to do that. There's a chance Mm -hmm. to do that in any presentation, no matter what your style is. But, but, you know, I'm really hanging tin over the edge of uh, the probability that (laughs) there's going to be some interesting things happen, but I thrive on that. Mm -hmm. It makes it interesting to me. 
and again, I won't jump out of an airplane for an adrenaline rush, but that's, you know, I'm like scared out of my mind sometimes when I'm going up on stage because I'm like, oh, God, I, is this really, should I have done this? <laughs> Maybe I should have prepared a little bit more. This is crazy. Look at the crowd. Look at the people in the crowd. Oh, my, one of my idols is here. Oh, crap, crap, crap. And then you get up there and you get in your groove and it's like, wow. But again, that's not, uh, I don't think, a style that you recommend <laughs> to people. But it, it is kind of interesting how uh, I think I like to take the pressure off myself by not, the more I prepare, the more pressure there is, it seems. And, uh, you know, if you really know your stuff and you're an expert in your topic range, there shouldn't be a problem with the material. Um, but I But I do often look at, people who do uh, what you've described and how you prepare and how you really make an impact, really, really great speakers, which I've never considered myself one, <laughs> I look at their stuff and I'm like, wow, that is really, really cool for a whole different level. The presentation, the um, the oratory, the, the the body language, the everything is just like, wow, these guys, this guy's good or she is mm-hmm. really, really awesome. So I, I see both sides of it. It's, I, I think it's really, really interesting because it's all, like you said in the beginning, just communications, right? We should be yeah. all fairly good at a certain nominal level of this just because that's how the whole world works. Well, and, and one of the things, and everybody has their own style. You know, some people prepare uh, really, really thoroughly. Obviously, if you're going to give the same type of speech 50 times a year, you know, that's going to enable you to put in a certain amount of time preparing it. If you're only going to give a certain type of speech three or four times a year, you may not necessarily want to put in the time to memorize like crazy, but there are certain key places that you really do want to be at your most prepared. And I mm-hmm. consistently suggest to my clients that if you're speaking, let's say, for half an hour, there's generally not going to be enough time to memorize a half-hour speech and and literally have it come out precisely the same way every time. But you mm-hmm. want to have that first minute and a half memorized because the same way a headline in, in, a, in, a, in a blog post or whatever captures people's attention or they move on, that first minute and a half establishes your credibility to the audience. If if you come out on stage and you have sort of that nervousness and you stumble a little and, and your words aren't clear or, or your message seems to be all over the place, the first impression the audience is getting is, well, we're not sure you know your subject matter. And people's minds being what it is, what they are, they're going to start drifting they're going to start thinking yeah. about that email that's, that's waiting or whatever it is, and it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, to ever get their attention fully back on you. So that's one technique that if you're not going to prepare totally, just make sure you know you're opening like crazy so that right. everybody's going, oh, my goodness, this person's prepared. And later on, when you start looking at maybe a note, an index card or or, or whatever you may need to remember a point that you would have otherwise forgotten, people will forgive that because they've already seen that you know your stuff and they'll think, well, of course, seven minutes in, that speaker needs to look at his or her notes because we all would anyway. We're amazed that the person hasn't had to look at their notes in the first 12 seconds because that's what most people in the audience would think would happen to them. And the other place you really want to be strong is you you have to be strong as you lead into your close, whatever it is, whether you're making a sales pitch or whether you're just having a call to action, you know, that's relating to a, a free offer or whatever. Those are two places because that's going to make or break the success of your speech. Because your speech is only successful yeah. if you get people to take action while they're in the room with you. You know, leaving them to think about it later means you haven't really done the most you can with them in the room with you. Right. So so there are well, times, there is a middle ground is what I'm trying to, to drive at. Oh yeah, and I agree with that part. Having the having the beginning nailed down, I learned very quickly because everything it's not just you, it's them. 
Everybody mm-hmm. is analyzing the whole situation the most intensely at the very beginning. They're just seeing you walk around. They're just seeing you on the camera, wherever. And they're trying to decide if they like the sound of your voice. They're trying to decide if you seem right off the bat to know what you're de- talking about. And then when you go into that situation, you're doing the same thing. You're looking at the faces in the crowd. You're, uh, everything's new to you, and you haven't gotten into your groove. This is the beginning of getting into that groove. And you need to be as autopilot, I think, at that moment as you possibly can because anticipating how you're going to actually feel when you get up there. Oops, I'm on stage. Oh, there's a person that I'm a little bit intimidated by giving a speech in front of or whatever, or there's you know noise in the room or there's whatever. Your brain's going to be on overdrive. I've, I've had this happen a couple of times, and then I quickly learned I need to have my beginning on autopilot. Then I can get into my flow state which is what I really love, and then everything's just automatic at that point. Uh, not that it's rehearsed, but you just get relaxed. And then the audience mm-hmm. relaxes into you as well and goes, and, and you know, you have to get that buy-in. Like you said, it's like the headline of a sales letter. The only purpose of a headline of a sales letter is to get people to read the next paragraph. Yeah, the only purpose of that paragraph is so on and so on. So yeah. if you are able to get up there and have that initial shock, it's like jumping into a, a cold pool of water. Your body reacts really, you know, harshly, and then it's like, oh, this isn't so bad. But that reaction can really screw up your speech if your your teeth are chattering <laughs> while you're trying to make the most important statement of the speech uh, to to that point, which is, you know, carrying people to the next level with confidence that they they're they're with you and that uh, and they're doing the same thing. They'll stop analyzing so heavily if they decide in that first bit that they like you and they've accepted mm-hmm. you as the person who's going to be talking in their faces for the next 90 minutes or whatever it might be then you get to be a little bit more free range and 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 I love that that's that's exactly how I would prep for it too yeah and and you know it's similar when when I've directed plays comedies in particular you have to get an audience laughing in the first scene of a comedy and and I've seen Plays, you know, I've, I've seen plays directed where, you know, the audience is sort of scratching their head saying, is this a comedy or is this not? Um, and if they don't laugh during the first scene, very often it's five or six scenes before you get them laughing. As opposed huh. to if you can find a way to make sure the humor is fully there in the opening scene, people are rolling on the floors by the fifth or sixth scene. Yeah. That makes total sense. All right, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about Italy. Um, awesome. You have another business with your wife, and uh, tell us a little bit more about that other than what I covered in the uh, intro. It just sounds really interesting, that business. Well, it, it's really, you know, what's what's been interesting and, and what I encourage people to always do is to, you know, pay attention to what people notice about you. You know, we all have our own way of looking at ourselves and we think we know ourselves, but, uh, you know, the way others perceive us is very often telling us some things that we either take for granted or don't notice quite as much or whatever. And during my my uh, time of building Speak Louder Than Words, I invested in business coaches in, in various areas. And just by the way things happen to turn out in in both, with both my primary business coaches, they were uh, women who catered primarily to female entrepreneurs. So I was very often in groups where, uh, you know, once I was in a, a one man out of a, a mastermind of 13, for example, or another year I would be one of 10 men in a room of 200. And over the course of time, you know, as people got to know me and got to uh, – listen to things that I would share about my life, about uh, my wife and, and our marriage and things like that, I started getting feedback and I actually got a, almost a, 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 a gentle shove, or maybe not so gentle, by <laughs> one of my business coaches to say, John, you don't realize how many women are waiting for someone like you to show their husbands or boyfriends how to treat them the way you treat your wife and the way you treat us. You know, this respect and caring and so on and so forth. And, and I was sort of known by all my friends and, and colleagues on Facebook 
I'll post about time I'm spending with my wife uh, with with joy. And so I created a a blog called uh, Bring Chivalry Back, and I started focusing on that aspect of things. But what was really interesting was that over the course of time, it became much more about working with couples. That uh, simply talking to men about chivalry was just not not quite resonating in the way that I wanted it to or needed it to. And so my wife and I started looking at the various things that we have. Because a whole bunch of people said, when are you two going to start working together? And they saw something in us that I think we saw our our work as sort of unconnected. I was working with people on public speaking. My wife was working with people on overcoming hidden blocks uh, in their subconscious. And all of a sudden, a program that I offered uh, my clients on developing your compelling story started revealing things that I was uncovering for people that really allowed them to see some of the things that they were fighting for many years. And so my wife and I started sharing some work with clients to sort of enable them to work on both the conscious and subconscious level at the same time. And that, you know, it was interesting. But what we really started discovering, that the thing that people responded to the most in terms of our Facebook posts or in terms of how we would chat when we would get together with people was the excitement that we still have in day-to-day life. Um, we're married. We're going to celebrate our 25th anniversary in December. We know each other for almost 30 years. And I still, you know, you asked earlier, what's the, what gets me up in the morning? And the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I turn to my wife and I say to her in Italian, I adore you. Ti adoro. And I make that the last thing that I say at night before we go to sleep because I want to always let her know and myself that our relationship is the top priority in my life. And it's small things like that. I'm amazed when I I talk to other couples, talk to other husbands, for example, and the idea of having small rituals or something is so foreign to people. And I'll listen to some friends who've been together 10, 15, 20 years, and it's almost like they're sort of, okay, we've come to some point where we know we're going to live the rest of our lives together, but there's not too much excitement or so on and so forth. And we yeah. wanted to bring our experiences, our understanding of both communication skills, overcoming obstacles and things like that, and bring it to couples. Now, my wife was born in Switzerland, but of an Italian family, and she spent most of her young life Growing up in Europe, parts of the time in Italy, parts of the time in Switzerland, she's fluent in Italian, uh, her family still lives in Italy, and so we travel over there a lot. And we always know how people's eyes sort of almost sparkle when you mention Italy. When you mention travel to Italy, I don't think anybody has a response of, oh, who'd want to go there? Everybody thinks, (laughs) oh, I've always wanted to, I wish I could go, I'll go someday and so on and so forth. So we said, why not take people, instead of working with them here and saying, let's spark up your relationship, why not already give them the first spark by doing it in Jimmy? So we created... You get a lot of help. I mean, that's that's an awful lot of help for you, isn't it? I mean, the backdrop (laughs) of the help that you're giving is Italy itself. Well, you want people to all of a sudden realize this is all doable, and if you don't do it now, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time where, you know, everybody's thinking, well, when the kids are finally graduated from college and this and that and so on and so forth, if you wait for a perfect time, 99% of the time, you'll be waiting forever. I remember one time listening to a speaker who asked, the audience, you know, how many of you are putting something off until someday? And 
He said, okay, so there's Monday, there's Tuesday, there's Wednesday, there's Thursday, there's Friday, there's Saturday, there's Sunday, and there's Monday again. So when was Sunday? And his point <laughs> was, just, just move, just do something. And my wife and I are right now in the process of, uh, in two weeks, leaving the U.S. for three months in Italy, just to experience living in Italy. And wow. to say, you know, this is a new adventure. This is how we want to create the next spark in our lives. Uh, and we'd love to have people come over and visit with us, but we've also, during our last trip over to Italy, which was earlier this year, to visit family and, and so on, business opportunities started coming out of left field. Uh, and I said, well... Somewhere the universe wants us in Italy because instead of me chasing opportunities, the opportunities are showing up. And that's always a great sign. And so while we're over there and and working with couples who would be interested in that, we're also going to be helping uh, a a travel company which wants to help uh, Italian businesses understand better how to get their message out, how to connect better with their ideal clients, you know, how to how to get noticed in the market. Because believe it or not, Italian businesses are lagging when it comes to social media and even the internet. So we want to help help that happen as well. And that's going to help pay some bills uh in terms of us staying over there. And uh who knows where that'll lead? You know, maybe that some is, travel agents uh, and travel the world for free. Who knows? <laughs> well, talk, I mean, I, Jan's got her hand up, and Jan's going to get her question in this week. I, I kind of nudged her out last week because we had a lot of passion on the show about getting this. I'm, I'm going to, and and I am now too. I've got so much to talk to you about. One of the things, though, just before that, that I'll remark on is you guys strike me as the best example I've heard in a long, long time of making what you love your business, doing what you mm-hmm. love your business. And then and then you have to say, usually the- theoretically, uh, because opportunities will find you when you're in your spot, when you're in your passion, when you're doing the thing that you love the most, you won't you any longer have to chase opportunities. They will come to you. And everybody has to suspend their disbelief at that point if they have not experienced it. So we're always looking for examples of that very thing, and I think we just found a giant one in you guys. Mm-hmm. Just a just a just a, uh, a thing that I noticed there. <laughs> but Jan, you have a question. Well, you know, Jack, uh, you're absolutely right. And uh, in fact, last week, John, it was Edie Weinstein on the call. Oh, nice. I didn't think Jack was going to go crazy. Uh, between the two of them, I couldn't get you know. You, and they know each other, um, so you know I couldn't get a question in. Anyway. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I have found, and I will say this, Louisa is an amazing woman, and uh, I have been so happy to see you two working with couples because it's it's very... I think it's very hard for people to learn a new language of love and communication if that isn't something you learned growing up, you know. And plus, a lot of intimate language is done really behind closed doors. So as a kid, you just don't learn any of that stuff. And, you know, simple things. You know, simple things like telling the person you appreciate them. And, of course, women really, really, really love and need that for the most part. Um, and it's been great to watch you two bring both of your skills together because I can see how you say that it didn't make sense at first. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really perfect fit in terms of how you're able to help people not just with their personal lives and their personal relationships, but then also bring those same skills and bring it into uh, you know the business world where it's once again it's about those simple points of communication. So what do you find are like the most important phrases that everybody needs to hear or, or you know that are just golden? 
Well, to tell you the truth, one of the most important things, and, and I know you said women particularly need to hear certain things. I, I don't necessarily agree. They, it may be the, the stereotype or it may simply be that, that women are more apt to express the fact that they're longing to hear certain things. But the phrase that I think will always go a long way in both business, in, in personal life, uh, whether it's your romantic relationship, your relationship with your children, relationship with, with whomever, is I appreciate you or I appreciate what you do for me. Uh, that goes a long way. You know, people people always need validation of the fact that their presence has made a difference. You know, the, the idea that we're contributing to something, that, that people are appreciating the, the, the gifts that we are trying to share with them is a lot better than simply saying, well, I, I've got these clients lined up and, and they pay me and, you know, life's wonderful. And it would be, I can't imagine running a business where you don't have some of your clients giving you some wonderful testimonials that say, you made a difference in my life. You, you, you've given me a chance to do something I otherwise would never have done. And the same thing has to go in our personal relationships. I've, I've actually had this, this uh, running, I don't want to say battle, because it's not a battle, it's just a different perspective, but my siblings very often, uh, you know, I, I was uh, sitting with, with my two sisters at some point, listening to them uh, disparage their husband in front of each other, in front of me. And I'm thinking, I would never say anything negative about my wife, because First of all, why would I want anybody to think negatively about her? And secondly, if I'm disparaging the person that I've chosen to spend my life with, aren't I basically saying I made a bad choice? So I, I just wonder sometimes why, you know, and I guess this, this is something that's also stereotypical of men, um, you know, that they'll make fun of their wives' cooking or make fun of whatever. And I'm thinking, why would you want to do anything that's less than supportive? You know, we're we're a team. My wife and I are clearly a team. I was just getting ready to say that you're a team. That's your teammate. If you were playing football with your, you know, your buddies, you wouldn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's but, nothing compared to the person you're sharing your whole life with. Yeah. But you know, it's really part of our culture. I used to be exactly like that because I grew up with a lot of sarcasm, and that's how you showed you loved the other person. You know, in our family, you just said bad crap about them, and and they're and in a somewhat funny way, but it often wasn't that funny. Okay, and what I started to understand when I found some friends that talked nice about each other, I thought, wow, I was terrified literally to say something nice about whoever my partner was. It mm-hmm. just felt so weird. And it really took me several years to learn that. And and believe me, um, uh, it feels so much better now. The other thing is that I think we're not used to in our culture through either, you know, the media or whatever, of being able to say something nice about ourselves. So I think therefore, that's where the whole. I think that's where it all starts. Yeah, exactly. Actually, exactly. We don't. And when you when you learned how to how to be nice or how to uh, uh, say what you really deep down wanted to say that you were scared about, I'm willing to bet everything that you found out more about yourself and began to love yourself a little bit more before you were ever ever able to take that leap of faith. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And and part of it was. Uh, be, you know, like I said, it was so scary to say it out loud. I don't know what I thought would happen, but the fact that I had such a strong fear response showed me that was something I learned. Mm-hmm. That it was that yeah. strong that, you know, well, okay, it, it's like it's okay to sort of funnily put down your partner or your business partners or whoever you're with. And I was with tons of bands, you know, and... What I learned is that this is kind of that dysfunctional thing that our society does. 
and you look at all sitcoms and all of that, they're all based on never actually saying anything positive or being honest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that may be funny for a sitcom, but it's a horrible relationship. <laughs> and yet somehow, John, you seem to escape it. How, how is that possible? You grew up in the culture, right? I mean, you've had a lot of... Uh, touch points with the the <laughs> the culture that Jan speaks of. How did you escape oh, I, it? I, I, I'm no saint. I please I I I've had my own challenges with this. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure there were times earlier uh in my life where where things were not as as clear for me. Um you know if uh, I did have a marriage before I married Louisa, and and I I know I was doing some toxic things as well as having some toxic things done to me. Uh, this is, let's face it, we're always on a journey of of discovering more and more of our core selves, our pure selves, however people want to define that, and that really becomes something where the more you open yourself up to just Allow yourself to see 100%. Uh, this is this is who I am. This is this is what I offer. This is what's good about me. This this is an area where I need some help or whatever. The the better you're going to be. I'm also, I guess, at some point when when I sort of entered into the world of Facebook and and, and social media, I I just made a decision. I'm going to be relatively open about my life and, and about uh, who I am and whatever. I, I didn't create this, okay, here's my here's my red line that I'm not going to cross. I'm not going to talk about uh, my relationship or, or children or anything like that. Um, and I made the choice, and, and I know there were times where Louisa said, I really wish you hadn't shared that particular thing. I was talking about our relationship the way I was I was just just putting it out there, not to brag, not to whatever, but just to celebrate it and say, if you like me, if you're my friend, this should make you smile to know that I'm this happy. And and a lot of people started just following. We had uh, people write to us when we started our John and Louisa uh, Facebook page who wrote, said, I'm going through a period of loss and your posts are just helping me cope. And those types of things meant a lot to us. Because the idea that you can't share your relationship or um, or you only talk about your relationship when you're celebrating an anniversary, I mean, that to me is one, uh, I don't want to say strange, because it really isn't strange. It's, it's people's choices, obviously. But... I won't read anything about a person's relationship for 364 days, and then when somebody celebrates their anniversary, I read this thing about, you know, how they're the luckiest person in the world, and I'm, I'm thrilled that they feel that way. I'm like, but wouldn't it have been nice to have told that person or, or let that person be celebrated publicly maybe five, six, seven other times during the year and say, hey, my husband just, did this for me, and it's one of the reasons I'm grateful every day that I'm married to him, as opposed to waiting for just that uh, sort of society-imposed time that you celebrate your relationship. Now, we are on Traffic Masters, so I think that we've given some, you've given us some subtle cues as to how you attract people, how you attract business and clients and uh, things to both of your businesses. Um, it's been subtle, but it's, it's, it's really actually quite clear when you look back on our conversation thus far. You're doing what you love. You are very passionate about it. And you figured out a way to do even more of what you love and in the doing, really throwing yourself forward into this, talking about how business is starting to find you instead of you having to find business. So there's some... So there's some uh, uh, clues in the in in today's call so far but what specifically is your favorite way uh right now um maybe you could tell us a little bit of a story about uh, the latest client that you got for either business um and how that happened because i have a feeling and i have a sense that you're not a real hardcore uh number and data cruncher uh, when it comes to 
traffic by the numbers and search engine optimization and junk like that. I think that you're probably a lot more on the passion side. And uh, but you tell me, am I am I close? Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I I do uh, you know I have my my share of time on social media. Probably some days it's it's more. I actually have multiple social media presences simply because uh, you know as each business came up, it just didn't seem to be uh, logical to simply have one account. Uh, so mm-hmm. there is, for example, there's a Twitter feed for Speak Louder Some Words, there's one for Piazza Italia, there's one for John and Louisa, and there's one for Bring Chivalry Back. Uh, so it, it's very interesting, and I think that the, I think the the idea, and, and this was something uh, early on some business coaches said, you can only focus on one, one thing at a time, uh, one business, I'm like, for some people, that's probably great advice. For me, I think part of my struggle early on was by trying to force everything into the speak louder than words business. It was like there were other parts of me that were like, well, wait, what about me? What about me? So uh, one of the things that has always been uh, important for me, and and it's usually where I would find uh, the relationship start that led to clients, was going to live events. Not necessarily being the speaker. I mean, if I could be the speaker at a live event, all the better. But to me, uh, meeting people in person is always very valuable. Uh, and the other thing is consistency of getting the message out. Now, one thing I'm proud of is that I've done a weekly newsletter for Speak Louder Than Words for, I'm in my sixth year of doing it, and I haven't missed an issue yet. And I've had clients who've been following me for a year or two and said, okay, we're, we're ready to work with you. So to me, part of the thing is to keep putting yourself out there in a consistent way and then be as open and transparent and, and authentic in your message. I, I sort of hate the word authentic because I know it's been uh, played around with so much. But if you take it at its core, if your message can authentically convey who you are, what you can do, how you can be of service, then people will respond to that. Uh, I am starting to explore Periscope and Blab. I'm interested in seeing what that can do because I think it is great to have that sort of uh, live, physical, or video type of presence. So I think that's going to be fun mm-hmm. to do. But uh, to a large extent, the 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 way I've been able to to reach my most recent clients has been developing a relationship and every once in a while staying in touch to see how things are going with them until they're ready to to take the leap. Do you? Would you agree that? Can the, I jump in, that, Jack? Uh, oh yeah, sure. absolutely. Let me jump in for just one second. Just yesterday. I was on a web TV show that normally airs on both Google Plus and uh, YouTube on a live stream. And she decided to try something she hadn't done before. So we ended up doing a short pre-show on Periscope, then did the live show on Google Plus and YouTube like normal, and then did an after show on Blab. So I got to use all three. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it was really kind of surprising because I've done lots with Hangouts. I had not used either Periscope or Blab until yesterday. Mm-hmm. I would have expected that the Hangout on Air would have had the better audience. But in actuality, Blab had the most highly engaged audience, and it was actually the biggest of the three. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Do you find that you get better engagement on Blab and Periscope than you do on the other platforms? Because I sure did yesterday. Well, I haven't actually embarked on it yet. I finally, believe it or not, I had to switch my phone out because I've been, I've had a Windows phone for the longest time, and I really enjoy oh. the interface. But uh, and Periscope comes out, and of course, Windows doesn't have Periscope and. 
and so finally I said, I, as much as I, I love my phone, I said, I have to go back to an iPhone just to get the apps. So I'm just literally in the process of, of gearing up how I'm going to connect with people through this, and it's, it's exciting to see how things are going. I'm hearing great reports about both Periscope and Glass. Did you already buy the iPhone? Yes. Jack and I are diehard Android fans. We love Android. It's okay. We're not going to judge. No, that's okay. <laughs> I, 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 uh, it, it's so funny because I have an Android tablet, but it, it was, uh, I think it was using operating system 8.2, and they said to run Periscope in 8.4, and I was oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Too many, too many little things. But the, uh, yeah. well, you know, the I'll funny be anxious thing is, to hear what your experience is when you try it. Absolutely. No, I'm I'm looking forward to both of them. But, uh, you know, I was just sort of getting used to the idea of starting Periscope and everybody's on the Blab bandwagon. So now I'm like, oh, my goodness, so many things to to stay on top of. And I think that's the, that's got to be a great place for, for both of you to, to be of service, of Gina and, and, and Jack, just to really guide people through, you know, as these new, new uh, traffic-building tools keep coming out, I mean, people are looking not simply for the information on how to do it, but I bet you the biggest question is going to be, well, I don't have time to do both or three three different types of platforms, so which one should I be spending my time on? And I'm sure there are different answers for different situations. Absolutely. I, I made most of uh, my original years... Um, my bones on just being the guinea pig for everything that came along, mm-hmm. and people, you know, relied on that, <laughs> you know. And I'd I'd make a fool of myself. I'd break my websites. I'd you know I'd <laughs> do all the things. And then people paid me to make all of those mistakes and then tr- teach them the best practices, so they wouldn't have to go through what I was painfully sometimes going through in public in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't tools like Blab or Periscope because back then, you know, we just didn't have the bandwidth on the, uh, to do a lot of video-based stuff yet. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's always a good tactic. And uh, you can do that in just about my every recommendation, industry, too. You guys. My recommendation is try them all to find out where your audience really is hanging out and where you're going to be able to engage them. And once you've tried them all, sit down and develop what I like to call an editorial calendar, something mm-hmm. like joindu.com forward slash editorial calendar, which is a template, mm-hmm. and decide which three or four you're going to use on a regular basis so that right. you're putting your stuff out there where your audience happens to be, not where you want to be. Right. Go ahead, Jack. Well, I was just going to say that that also is something that everybody from every industry can do, and a great example is right here on the show. You guys are braving, if you can even say that, Italy, and uh, and all of the stuff that you're doing is exploration for to be able to turn around and do and and tell people what the best practices are. You know, for going to Italy and being there and falling in love again and and all mm-hmm. of these things, you guys are putting yourselves out there. Although I don't know that it's a giant sacrifice on your part because you love it so much and you should, but you are doing stuff. I mean, people don't want to blow their trip to Italy either by not knowing enough about what they really ought to do, and they're always wanting to hear from people who have been there and done that. And that's just your example. That kind of thing can be done in just about every industry, and people, it's a really big traffic driver because. The self-interest part of it is the thing that gets the most engagement, and a lot of people don't understand that. Most of the business messages you see on social fall flat because it's totally in the self-interest of the business, and it's nothing really as as strong a pull as it should be for the people who are they're designing that to capture their attention. It's just not going to do it. It sounds too much like the business is, you know, uh, just promoting itself and. Yeah. Whatever, but uh, yeah, when you go out there and do this kind of stuff, whether it's for our industry for traffic tools that are coming up, or your industry for travel and 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 uh, exploration and love and and uh, good relationships, you can do it everywhere, and uh, it's a really good traffic driver because then you just then the tools kind of make themselves apparent. If they're all sitting in front of you, if they could, 
mm-hmm. they start to stand up and raise their mm-hmm. hand and go, I would like to deliver this message. This is where you really need to deliver the message. So sometimes it's not about the tools. Like Blab and Periscope, they're just tools. Like mm-hmm. when everybody was really upset, and I think they're over it now because everybody's pretty much ignoring it, but they're arguing whether or not Google Plus was the place to be. And everybody who wrote an article saying that it wasn't, you'd go to their Google Plus profile and they had like two friends. And mm-hmm. they had made like two posts since 2011 when the thing started. So they're reporting on their own life. And that right. Google is absolutely a ghost town when you don't go out and use the tool and, and try to use it the way it was designed. Your determination comes from absolutely no data collection whatsoever. It's just a feeling that you've got. And we can do that same thing with all the other tools. Eh, Blab didn't really do it for me. Never, ever catch yourself saying that about a tool because a mm-hmm. tool can't do anything for anybody. You, you use the tool. And mm-hmm. you didn't do anything for yourself on Blab is the actual correct answer to that. Right. It's well said. And, and, and Gina, your point also about you know, how, how you reach your clients and, and, Jack, your point about you know, the positioning of is this written from your perspective or the perspective of the audience. I mean, those are, those are brilliant points that – I mean, those are, those are core, core things. I mean, it would be the same thing in a relationship. Uh, you know, if, if in a relationship between husband and wife or, or committed boyfriend and girlfriend, if all the husband or wife does is express, this is what I need, this is what I need, and never asks, what do you need? Or doesn't listen when the other person expresses that. I mean, that's obviously going to be a problem. Uh, it, it's the same as any kind of relationship. It's just it's the most intimate, the most uh, powerful and influential relationship we have is usually the the romantic, lifelong relationship that we hope to achieve. But every relationship has, at its core, if if I get the sense that you're listening to me, you're hearing me, then we have a shot. If I get a sense that all you're doing is telling me what you want, I'm I'm going to move on. I'm I'm not you know I'm not here to to just cater to to you. I'm here to get something something beneficial for myself as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So you have three websites that you've mentioned, I think. You have johnluisa.com. You have uh, the speaking site. What's the URL of that again? That's speaklouderthanwords.com. Speaklouderthanwords.com. And then something about chivalry. Yes, there's bringchivalryback.com. Awesome. Did we miss anything? And then the... And I'm sorry, what? Did we miss anything? I have a sense that there's another uh, yes, one. There's also, yes, Piazza Italia USA. P-I-A-Z-Z-A-I-T-A-L-I-A-U-S-A.com. And, uh, and what's that it, one about again? Just refresh our memory is, real this quick. This is the one that, that's going to work with the, the, uh, the travel businesses in, in Italy, the, the hotels, the restaurants, the the travel providers to show them how they can be better better at offering their services to the right people in the right way. So that it isn't simply, okay, go to Italy and, and find the cheapest hotel or whatever it is, but go to Italy and explore off the beaten track with these people who will guide you through a much more authentic experience or whatever those things are that goes uh, Italian businesses want to promote. Well, you're keeping it very. Uh, it, it makes sense. Everything that you have is not. It, you're not like um, some people who are. You know, they see a shiny object and they, they get a domain name and think that that would be a really great business to be in. It seems that all of the things that you've chosen to do to make sites out of and make businesses out of are very closely related and. Mm-hmm. Um, they all come from your passion, which would automatically make somebody, you know, have a. If you have a, a, a group of businesses, they're going to look similar. They're going to support themselves if you're coming from your passion, because we all have a core. And yours is expressed through those four sites pretty darn well, yeah. and they're very, very close. So 
Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really had a great time today. I wasn't really exactly sure what we'd end up talking about, but we got to traffic. We got to uh, attraction. We got relationship stuff. We got to talk about one of my favorite things in the world, travel, and Italy is awesome. So I, I'm satisfied. I hope you are too. Ah, I had a great time. It was really a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, Thanks Dina, so it's back much, to you. John. Oh, Thank pleasure. you so much, John. Totally. Thanks for hosting me. And we will be back same time, same place for next week's episode of Traffic Masters. Have a great week, everybody. Ciao. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success.